Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Grace People Podcast. My name is Dan Lugo, and I'll be your host as we continue to explore grace in every corner of our community, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and beyond. Oh, man, today we've got a great episode because we have my friend and world traveler, Ashley Collins. Uh, this is it's a little bit longer conversation because there was so much good that I couldn't find anything that I wanted to cut out. So just hang on for the ride. Uh, Ashley was involved with the uh, world race, and she's going to talk about her 11 countries in 11 months and what that did to her on the way. It's it's super cool to hear. Uh, we've got an exciting, exciting exciting time. So let's do it. Here it is. Episode five with Ashley Collins. So you grew up mm-hmm. at, well, it was first Lutheran, first yes. Lutheran White Bear Lake. Yeah. Just tell us about that. Like, what do you remember? What was it like growing up in this church? Because I wasn't here. I have no idea what was going on. Yeah. I remember a lot. Well, a lot. I have very distinct memories. Um, from like very random moments like I remember Sunday school I remember my friend and I used to run around the church after services on Wednesday nights and um like play hide and go seek around the church okay like for example if you know the Petersons and Mm -hmm. the three boys like that's kind of how I acted like kind of how I ran the church and um I remember Sunday school and some of my Sunday school teachers and um, your parents obviously super involved like superstars. Yeah. I love them. They're yeah. so cool. <laughs> like they're just awesome. That Bobby's all right. Bobby's great. <laughs> he is. He's actually super great. He's great. One of the uh, your whole family just has this uh, this kindness with like this underlying snarkiness, oh, yeah. but like it's never mean spirited. It's just like always kind, which I really appreciate yeah. about you guys. Thanks. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's a good thing. Like, Collins is a very good name around here. That's cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And Hannah, she's great. Hannah is great. Yeah. She just, like, married into the right family. And so did you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, it worked out that way. Yes. Yeah. Mutually beneficial. And that's how you Their relationship has been for our families. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's weird. super good. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were, we're going to sort of, like, go into sort of career path. What did you, what did you want to be as you were, as you were growing up? Yeah. What were you imagining you might do or be or enjoy? Um, growing up, I thought a lot of all the typical things, like I wanted to be a vet because I love animals. I wanted to be a nurse or a doctor because I wanted to help people. None of those things are what I am today, which is okay. Um, after high school I went to college for a semester thinking about nursing and then I was like actually I don't really like blood and bodily fluids and it kind of freaks me out and I don't want to work in a hospital (laughs) that's a good reason not to do that yeah so I was like I'm gonna quit school really quick because I don't want to do this um and then I started working as a nanny which I loved because I love kids um And then soon after that is when I went to Mission of Hope for my first internship. Mm. And then I came home and started working as a nanny again a little bit and got a job at Lifetime Fitness, which is when I thought, I like helping people and being a personal trainer really helps people. So I went to school for that. Went back to Mission of Hope for the summer. Um, Worked at Lifetime Fitness for a few years. Mm Mm-hmm. Kept going to Haiti for a few week-long trips, heard of the world race, and then left on the world race. So That's super cool. Yeah. I'm going to jump back, because we're definitely going to talk about the world race, because mm-hmm. that's like story after story of awesome things. Yeah. Like, what inspired you to go on the first, was it, it kind of sounded like you said Mission of Hope internship. Yeah. Was that your first trip out there, or did you go first, and then you went on the internship? Like, how'd you, how did that process go? Yeah, I went first. So, back in 2010 was the earthquake that, when you think of Haiti, a lot of people think of the earthquake of 2010. Um, 2009, I think Brad, I don't think Brad was here. Um, I think Otis came to talk to our church about Mission of Hope. And Brad and Otis being the... The leaders, the founders of Mission of Hope, and um, Pastor Steve was still here, and I remember he said, 
anybody who wants to learn more about Mission of Hope or potentially go on a trip, we're going to have a gathering after the service in the commons or the community room or whatever it was called back then. And I looked at my dad and I was like, dad, I think like, I want to go hear more about that. And my dad has been to Ecuador and Estonia and he's done missions work and we've done missions work in the States as a family. So it wasn't like out of the blue for me to say anything like that. It was kind of just like, I also really love to travel and I'd love to go to this place and experience this and like do some work while I'm there and hopefully help some people. And um, so we went to that meeting afterwards and our trip was scheduled right around that time of a few months after the earthquake or trying to think of exactly when our trip was scheduled. But we ended up going about three months after the earthquake. Wow. And it was a very eye-opening experience. That was my first time to, like, a third world country. Um, And I remember taking that. Have you been? No, I have not. Okay. There's this, when you get picked up in the airport, which wasn't the airport that first time because the airport was broken. Inaccessible or destroyed. Yeah, from the earthquake and... um, our bags were just thrown everywhere, and I was like, what did I get myself into? I was like 16 years old at this point. Okay. <laughs> um, wow. I was pretty young, pretty naive, and we took this ride from the airport to the Mission of Hope campus, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like what you see in the movies of like poverty and destruction and... Um, so I took three week-long trips before I signed up to do my first internship. Um, and then my first internship was 2013 for five months, which was crazy. Yeah, it's considerable <laughs> length of time. Yeah. Yeah. What what happened to you during that time internally? What did it do to you? Yeah, during the internship? Yeah. Um, I, I think the way that I most often describe it is that I finally actually recognized in a very real way of why I needed the Lord and why I needed grace and um, to have an understanding of actually leaning on the Lord every day because I was out of my own decision. So I was taken out of my very comfortable American life and put into um a life where I didn't know very many people. I was interning with people I'd never met before, and um, I was doing work that I'd never met before in a country where I didn't speak the language and all very different things. And I was like, I actually need something where my life is rooted on or else I might go crazy. And so it took all the things that I've been hearing about in church of, like, deep roots make good fruit and Mm. things like that and I was like oh this is what that actually means like this is you know where the talk meets the walk sort of thing you know yeah that makes sense absolutely is this Mm -hmm. like going through all this where you mostly it was like a personal transformation you went through alone were you doing this with other people like who was partnered with you on this journey either here or there Yeah, um, I don't, I blogged a few times when I was in Haiti the first time, um, and when I say the first time, I talk about, like, my first long time that I was there, um, and I remember some people from church reaching out to me and encouraging me, and I think it's always been weird when people are out of the country, people wonder, like, how do I support you when you're 12,000 miles away in Thailand, or... And um, so I think a lot of my support has come from the people who were with me. And during that time, church actually came down to do a mission trip. So I actually, my whole family got to come. um, And so that was really special and being able to see them and incorporate them into this new life that I had kind of been living. And by new life, I just mean like my new job. And it was very cool for my church family to blend in with my Haiti family. And I got to kind of introduce them to people that I had been meeting. And so that time was really incredible, and that support was really good. 
Um, but my intern family, that the girls and boys that I were interning with were um, really great people and having friendships w- with them were what ultimately probably got me through most of it. <laughs> Even though sometimes it was definitely hard because you put 10 young adults into a foreign country and all the whirlwind and triggers that come along with it and you're bound to have some a little bit of a mess <laughs> relational dynamics yeah relational <laughs> dynamics for sure so maybe good ones maybe not so good ones yeah yeah mm-hmm. did uh did everybody make it through the trip okay like did have, were there any people who were just like i just can't handle this i'm out um actually yeah yeah um well kind of we one of the and maybe i don't know how much i should share um, but one of the rules were, as an intern, you signed a contract or a covenant or whatever you want to call it that you wouldn't drink, no matter your age or your beliefs about drinking, but you wouldn't drink while you were working as an intern. And um, the three boys, one time at the beach, had a beer or a pina colada or something, and staff found out, and they all got sent home. Wow. Yeah. Which was a very hard experience that was just a few weeks before we were all supposed to leave um and it was that was the middle of like spring break time we were leading into summer it was very busy so to have three people from the core group of interns that do a lot of work just leave within like a day's notice was very hard Mm. yeah they're still great guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One beer. One beer won't discount them from being great guys. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our college had a no dancing policy. Oh. And uh, I danced and got community service. It oh. was like footloose. <laughs> yeah. How do you... It's such a strange rule. No dancing. Well, what do you consider I mean, dancing? Similar to no drinking. I think yeah. it's also a strange rule. Yeah. But here we are. Um, before going too far, just like... The word missions or missionary, those come with, I think different people have different ideas, especially if the only um, connection people have had is like their uh, high school class where they learned about the Crusades, and those were like horrible examples of missionaries. So if you could just tell us about the, like, what is is a missionary? What is a mission? What are these things? Yeah. Well, I think if you go back to the very root of the word, it's mission. You know, and we all have our own mission, and we all, like when I was in personal training school, I had to come up with a mission for what I was going to be about when I became a personal trainer, what was my mission going to be, and I remember um, my mission was to help and equip people to change their life physically, socially, and spiritually, and I think when we, um, so the root of the word missionary or missions is just mission, you know? Um, And I think a missionary is somebody who comes under the mission of God. And that can be anything from taking up the call to go do overseas missions, or that's being a missionary in your own family and creating reconciliation within your own family, or that's being a pastor of a church in suburban America, you know, where you're still changing people's lives and you're still helping but I think it looks a lot different from what we think the word missionary is like growing up when I heard the word missionary I thought of the people who lived in Africa and came back to talk to the church it's always Africa Africa. (laughs) Um, but that's what you think because you're like this person has served in Kenya or Uganda for 17 years and um, now they're here and it's kind of like the fame of it Mm. almost. Um, but I think a missionary is you and me here in White Bear Lake too. You know, I can still do just as important or just as the same amount of work that I was doing in Africa or Haiti right here in my hometown as well. Mm. So... It's kind of like, uh, it sounds like you're saying, among other things, uh, a missionary, in a at least today, in a Christian sense, mm-hmm. is a person who's on mission, um, doing 
the work of God yeah. in some way. Something that God would want done in the world. Yeah. That's what they're on mission doing. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. How would, if somebody is like listening and they're like, well, how, what does God want done? How do I know that? Yeah. Wow. What would you say? If somebody just said, like, question. what does God want done in the world? Yeah. Um, I heard a message when I was at World Race Training Camp called Born to be Loved. And the, the, um, the meaning or the root of that message is that we were put on this earth to be loved by God, um, which is a very different viewpoint from what most people were raised with. We were raised with the do and get done and sort of things and not be and be loved by God. It was more like do what you can do for God so God will love you. And that's actually not mm. it at all. God has loved us before we have ever done anything for him. And um, so I think for anybody listening who's like, well, what does that mean? Well, let God into your heart and find out what that means for you, you know? And I think it also depends on the talents and the gifts that God has given all of us. You know, like, you play music really well. I don't have Thank a you. musical bone in my <laughs> body. You know? so funny because Bobby, you know, your brother, yes. super talented musically. Super, yes. He just took it all, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, I love talking to people and hearing people's stories. And I think, you know, just like people can experience God through music, people can have an experience of God through a conversation. So... I think um, to answer your, to go back and answer the question of what does God want to be done in this world, I think God wants to be reconciled to his people and for his people to actually do what they're passionate about and do what they enjoy to bring about that reconciliation. Like, I really don't think the um, coming back to relationship with God is something that's supposed to be like a hard thing. I think there's a lot of joy and a lot of grace in that. Um, and I think most things in life, people make harder than they have to be. Hmm. So I don't know if that all kind of fits together. I but think it does. I think it does. And I think it speaks to, uh, it, it's just interesting because it is such a counter message to what a lot of people grow up with, even in religion, even in Christianity, which is yeah. uh, in many ways, you know, it, it's, based on the foundation of forgiveness and mm-hmm. the love of God yeah. uh, towards us. Um, so to the person who is uh, is hearing this for the first time and just like, okay, so what's, what's my next step? Mm-hmm. What would you say if they're like, okay, so if I wanted to sort of live out what you're saying, yeah. how would I do that? <laughs> um, community is key. If, if you're not in a community that is also acting out the things that they believe and, um, you know, you're surrounded by people who believe the same things. Not in a way of where nobody is ever challenging you because that's not fruitful as well. You don't have to um, believe, like, you can't dance. You right. Don't have to, you don't have to believe that the same. Right, right. You can't have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but being surrounded with people with the same mission of... Um, coming under the call of God and his his mission for the world just being surrounded by like-minded people is I think very important um reading your bible is important I would say um, why is that important that's a good question that I think probably a lot of people ask from at least one point in their life I know I've asked myself that like why do I have to read the bible why is it important um it's just, I think it's, in a very simple way, it's just like a textbook for your English class. Or maybe let's make it more practical, your science class. You're not going to learn about biology unless you're reading about it. You're not going to learn about the kingdom of God or Jesus' life if you're not reading about it. You know, you can assume things from what you hear, which I think some people make the mistake of is just taking what they always hear and assuming that it's correct and not actually fact-checking with the Bible Mm. of, oh, well, my pastor said on Sunday morning this, but I've never actually read the Bible to see if that's true. You know, there's a, that's kind of the personal 
thing of this is my faith and I'm going to actually work at my faith to believe what I believe rooted from what the Bible says mm-hmm. and not what people tell me. Yeah. Sounds like work. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's good because yeah. it's rewarding too. Yeah, you know? I was saying, it's not a bad thing. It's just like anything. I mean, right. uh, like you worked at LA Fitness. You get it. You know, like yeah. you have to do the work to get the result. Absolutely. And that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's super good. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to switch gears back to the world race. Yeah. Because that's super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just talk a little bit about what that is. It was really fun because we were in growth group together. Yeah. When you were like, I think. Oh my gosh, yeah. I think that God is maybe calling me to do this thing. Yeah. And it sounds crazy. And I'm pretty sure everybody in the room was just like, do it. Yeah. Like, we'll pray with you, we'll pray for you, and we'll support you. Yeah. And yeah, you, if, yeah. So just talk about just what it is and how that affected you. Um, Well, I think that um, that night we were sitting at like a rectangular, to set the scene for everybody, we were sitting at like a rectangular dinner table and there was probably like eight or ten of us around the table. And I remember getting really emotional and saying, I think God is asking me to do this really crazy thing. And it's called the World Race. And it's 11 countries in 11 months. And um, Erica Sawyer, from across the table, yelled, You have to do it! (laughs) And I just remember, like, my jaw dropping to the floor. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. I think I have to. But also to have that support in the moment of I was coming to you guys with something very real that I was a decision that I was struggling with and... Um, the support that I received was Mm -hmm. just through the roof of encouragement. And um, so, yeah, the World Race is 11 countries in 11 months, or that's the program that I did. Um, And and, the organization that runs it is? Yep, the organization is called Adventures and Missions, and it's based in Gainesville, Georgia. I've been there about five times in the last three years. <laughs> Gainesville is a great place. Um, but yeah, so their, um, their three pillars of their organization is intimacy, community, and mission. Mm-hmm. And I think I've taken a lot of those things to be my um, kind of my own personal pillars of my foundation of I just talked about community and why it's important and intimacy with reading the Bible and then mission. It looks different for everybody, um, but ultimately it's a little bit the same too of coming under God's mission. Um, But yeah, I left for that in October of 2018, which seems so long ago. I've been home a little bit over a year. I came home in um, August of 2019. It feels like forever ago. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. So you left in October 2018. Yeah. And, I mean, you don't have to list all the countries, but give us a sampling, uh, maybe a few that stand out. Yeah. Um, well, we started over in Asia with the Philippines. I'll just list all of them. Sure. Some people probably have them memorized <laughs> um, from this church, at least. We started in the Philippines, and then we flew over to Thailand took a bus down to Malaysia, or a train actually, flew over to South Africa and visited um, a very small country called Lesotho, which I'd never heard of, which ended up being one of my favorite countries to visit. Um, We went to Swaziland or Eswatini and then flew up to Nicaragua where our parents got to come visit. Um, Some of them, my parents came to see me, which was really, really cool. Um, Costa Rica, Panama, Colombia, and Ecuador. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) That's serious. It still doesn't seem real that we did all of that. It was, it was a lot. I look back sometimes and I'm like, was that sustainable? Was that healthy? Was it, was that a good choice to do in life? But I'm really glad that I did it. Mm. It's very... What made it? What makes it a good decision? Like, what would have made it a bad decision? Yeah. (laughs) What do you think makes it a good decision for you? Well, a bad decision, I think, um, would have been if I wasn't self-aware or mature enough to do it. I think being thrown into 
community with, again, 40 people that you never met before and traveling country to country, um, there was things about that that were just really hard. But the I think the good part of it was the amount of friendships that have come out of that. Like, I was just texting one of my friends yesterday um, about hopefully doing some more travel in the future together, and... Um, they're the friends that I can really count on if I need prayer or something um, to reach out to them and to talk through stuff. Mm-hmm. I think when we have um, experiences with other people, like life-defining experiences, like the world race was a life-defining experience, um, your friendships just automatically kind of get stronger because of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, I mean, in a completely different way when you hear, like, the veterans talk about the wars they were in together. Oh, absolutely. Where it's like, nobody understands. Yeah. No one will understand what they went through. Right. Uh, except the people that were there. Yeah. I was thinking about that when you mentioned Haiti, and you said, my family got to come down, and people from the church got to come down and yeah. during your internship. And it's like, oh, they actually got to see it and experience it mm-hmm. and share that with you. What a what a cool opportunity yeah. to share that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You mentioned Lesotho. What Mm -hmm. made it your favorite? Yeah. Um, The people, the simplicity. We were in this small city called Mahaklong, Lesotho. And um, we didn't have Wi-Fi. We sometimes didn't have running water. Mm. The electricity went out a few times. Um, I mean, it was like night and day difference from what we have here in America um and the simplicity of it and being able to disconnect from the world and just actually have fellowship with the people around you and um it was just like really incredible the work that we got to do was really eye-opening we got to go into hospitals a few days a week and um, just share our own personal testimonies and pray for people and give words of encouragement, which I think was really cool and made it um, less like scary to do in real life, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, I think it was just like such a different month than I've ever lived anywhere ever before. So it was just like really good. Sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that you had, because it's, I don't know, when you when you speak about it in this, like, um, large way that it's like, oh, I did this 11-month trip, it just sounds like, and everything went fine. Oh, yeah. But not everything went fine. No. No. What, uh, I think specifically there was a health complication that you had. Yeah. I, I still don't know exactly what the specific issue was I think I had a case of like allergy allergies or something and when I have bad allergies my eyes get extremely itchy and irritated and I think by my own doing I probably got them infected because of how much I was itching them um but I had a really bad eye infection for months like six months or seven months or something and it at first was like okay this is just annoying and like I just want this to be over with but eventually I was missing ministry I missed a day of ministry because it was so bad and I was like I can't concentrate on anything other than my eyes because they're so itchy and in pain and um I would wake up and my eyes would be just like crusted shut and it was disgusted (laughs) disgusting um but it affected my relationships with my teammates because I was becoming very mean and angry because my eyes were acting up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I was, I kept questioning, like, why am I not being healed from this eye thing? Like, why can't I just wake up and my eyes be better? And the suffering in that was um, something that I think a lot of people don't want to go through. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, how is that impacting your view of God? Because you're out, you're you're praying for healing for people, yeah. miraculous healings, and we yeah. are we are uh, people who believe in a God that heals and is active today. And here yeah. you are out on the mission field, um, just and not mm-hmm. it's not happening. Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, 
I remember having a lot of conversations, like a lot of my teammates and squad mates, they would pray for me and they would, um, you know, like ask for miraculous healing over my eyes and I didn't ever see it. And it became kind of like the point of, well, what's wrong with me that you won't heal me? Or do, do I not have faith enough to be healed? Or all, I think a lot of the questions that a lot of people ask when they struggle with a physical ailment. And um, I still don't know. Like, I don't know if I have complete reconciliation from that. But to the, I got to the point where I was like, this is actually affecting my trust with God. Mm. of I'm not seeing healing in my own life and I don't know why and um I had to get to the point of actually saying well I guess I don't need healing to still know that you're good like I don't need to see the full circle of something being completed in my life to still actually trust you and that's a big jump yeah so like, yeah, how do you yeah. Because I, I can imagine somebody listening to that and be like, hold on, hold on, because Wait. I'm in point A. Yeah. And I have no idea how you just got to point B. Yeah. Well, um, I struggled with this eye infection for months. Mm-hmm. And it was a month, not a month long, it was a multiple month long kind of coming to that conclusion. And I, during the last sort of half of my race, I was thinking about um, squad leading. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I was talking to my mentor, which is kind of like the our boss of our squad is the easiest way to describe that term. Um, but I was like, am I disqualified from being a squad leader or being considered a squad leader because I'm having an issue trusting God right now? Mm. And she was like, no, I think a lot of people struggle with that in one point of their life. You know, whether it's a financial thing or a relationship thing or a physical thing, like we all probably come to a time in life where we're like, okay, I don't, I don't have this thing or I'm not seeing this thing that I thought was supposed to come with this Christian walk that I was living. And something for me that's made a big difference um, in why... I was able to kind of make that decision from I don't have healing, but I still trust God that my healing will come or that if my healing doesn't come, there is a bigger reason for it that I can't comprehend. And the Bible never really promises things like physical health or financial wealth. Like it talks about, it does talk about miraculous healings and things but it never promises that you will be healed on this side of heaven mm. you know and i think that was something that i had to come to a conclusion or just some sort of reconciliation because i also i didn't want to go along any further of not trusting god like i wanted to get back back to the place of trusting god and um I think finally I was like, well, also we have doctors on this earth for a reason. And I'm not seeing miraculous healing. And going to a doctor for me right now isn't a disbelief that God can heal me. I think it's taking advantage of the people that he's put on this earth to heal me. That's their mission. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was in Costa Rica and... Our month in Costa Rica was really weird and kind of bad because um, my eye infection. This is the the top of the roller coaster of the eye infection, and um, we had traveled to three different ministry sites, and we were getting ready to go to Panama. And I was like, I cannot leave this country with this eye infection. Like I'm, I gotta do something. So we went back to the capital, and I googled eye doctors and I called people and I was like I need you to speak English and I need you to be able to take a credit card because I don't have enough cash on me (laughs) and I found a place and um, I was talking to the doctor and he asked where I was from and I said I'm from Minnesota and he said oh that's funny I've worked at Hennepin County Medical Center (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I'm sorry we're in Costa Rica, a million miles away. You've been to Hennepin County Medical Center? And I was like, 
okay, God, I feel taken care of. Mm, wow. And he looked in my eyes with a little machine and he's like, yeah, you have a pretty rough eye infection. Here are some drops and here's some stuff for your allergies to stop it itching. And it went away. And I was like, okay, so maybe our healing can sometimes come mm. from an actual doctor and that's really okay too, you know? Yeah. And it goes back to that point that I made 20 minutes ago or whatever of we make things a little bit too complicated Mm. and I still fully believe in healing that we can see um but I also think that sometimes healing comes from doctors and that's really okay Mm. you know yeah and that doesn't diminish a trust in God right Um, or diminish his power yeah even more importantly yeah so that was that eye infection story (laughs) that's huge that's more of an eye infection story that's like a heart healing story yeah that's huge Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for sharing that for sure you mentioned squad leading yeah is that uh you started that i started it (laughs) and that talk about trusting god um i um i really felt towards the end of my race that i was supposed to squad lead i Loved the. I love being able to walk with people through a season or a situation that I've walked through. Um, so squad leading just seemed like such a good idea of being able to lead a squad through the world race of something that I had just walked through. And, um, and I really felt like January was my time to do that. It was a little bit selfish because I didn't want to miss holidays at home. I didn't want to leave too soon after I... Um, had gotten back, so I thought January would be a great time, and coronavirus hits, and we're, I'm in month three of squad leading. Mm-hmm. So this would have been March, if my math is good. March, yeah, <laughs> good job, um, which I haven't really posted anything on social media since I've been home too much, so people probably don't even, a lot of people probably might not know this, um, but we're in Thailand, which is our third country. It's the beginning of March, and I get a phone call that their um, the leadership of Adventures and Missions is thinking about taking some squads off the field due to coronavirus concerns and looking at countries and seeing what medical resources they have. If because realistically, the way that this virus at this time we knew was spreading. If one person on our squad of 40 people got it, everybody would probably get it because of how close contact we were with each other. There was 10 of us living, sleeping in a room with bunk beds. And, um, you know, so we had learned that some squads were getting pulled off the field, but our squad was okay. We were in an okay spot. Um, And then a few days later, I got a phone call after a very long travel day of we're taking you guys off the field too. And that was really, it was not as hard for me because I was about halfway with my squad leading commitment at this point. Um, Which is how many months? Five months. So we were about two and a half months in and um, I had already done my 11 months. So I wasn't losing as much as the people on this squad were and Mm. I was a little bit excited to go home I was kind of having a hard time it was harder squad leading was harder than I thought it was and I wasn't excited to leave the people um but I think there was a side of me that was also a little bit worried about this virus and this is also the time that the pandemic really hit the United States And I um, remember having a conversation with my mom and Hannah, my sister, um, and they were like, why are you coming home? Like, Target sold out of toilet paper, the store is sold out of food, you know, and you're probably better in Thailand anyways. And I was like, I think so too, but (laughs) I mean, we have to come home. And um, so that was a very weird experience, um, a little bit traumatic of... I had never packed up my bags and left so quickly in my entire life. Like, we get a phone call, and four days later, we're on a flight back home to America. Mm. Because of the restrictions put in place with how many people you could be with at a time, we didn't really have an opportunity to debrief because we couldn't have all 40 of us in a room together. Wow. 
Um, so it was just very weird. Yeah. Its own, that's its own kind of trauma. Yeah. To not be able to process the grief yes. of such a sudden change in loss. Yeah. Absolutely. There was a lot of um, grief that happened in that. And I when I got home, I kind of took up the ownership of, well, I have to make sure that the people I was leading are okay. And I pushed my feelings about it aside. Um, and then a few weeks later, it was my birthday. And we were having a Zoom call because that was the way that we started to check in with each other. Like the whole rest of the world was Zoom calls. And I remember saying, I'm really sad because I actually really wanted to be with you guys on my birthday. And here I am at home and I can't do anything because every place is closed. And um, that was kind of a eye-opening moment of, oh, I'm actually really sad that I'm here. Like I'm really sad that I'm home. And that... Um, I've learned a lot in the past few years of my life of carrying two things at once that are in complete opposite with each other. And I was happy to be home because I love Minnesota and I love my family. And um, there was that side of me where I was happy to be home and safe. But I was really, really sad that I wasn't getting to do the thing that I signed up to do. And those feelings of not being able to complete something that you signed up to do brought up some feelings of shame and failure mm, well, when in actually that decision wasn't my decision to make it all it. yeah yeah so but such a human response yes yeah so that was it was very weird um but yeah i've been home for six months now yeah i don't know any thoughts of doing it again squad leading mm-hmm uh, no. No? <laughs> um, I'm good. Yeah. Well, with this, um, with coronavirus and COVID-19, I don't know why I keep calling it coronavirus. Oh, yeah, most of us do. Yeah. Um, or the Rona. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, but with COVID-19, Adventures and Missions, this organization has had to do a lot of restructuring mm-hmm. because they're programs go out into the nations into the world and um a lot of places are still closed especially for u.s visitors um so they've had to do a lot of reconfiguring what their trips and stuff look like um so yeah i don't think i would squad lead again i think being 27 years old i'm really actually excited to stop leaving the country for months at a time and I actually want to make some decisions that put out a future in like Minnesota or somewhere um but yeah so but I um about a month ago I think a big question for people is probably like you raised all this money and what happens to all that money so I'll address that now because maybe people listening have so generously supported me. Um, but Adventures Admissions has given people an op- like options of what to do with their leftover money. And a group of six girls from my squad decided to do what's called World Race America. And they all hopped into a 15-passenger van and packed up a suitcase. And they're actually traveling now within the States. Mm. Um, so I, um, they had... There's three World Race America teams on the field right now, and they met up in Washington about a month ago for, like, a debrief and um, just a little conference to join back together and have some rest. And I actually got to fly out there last month to go see them, and then they convinced me to hop in the van for (laughs) four days and actually travel to Las Vegas, which was a very weird experience. I did not go out there thinking I would be in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, but I was able to go and do that with the funds that I had raised, and mm-hmm. I hope to go visit them at least one more time for their kind of kind of final debrief towards the end of the year, and that will be included with the money that I raised. And so I still get to do some stuff with Adventures and Missions because I was nearly fully funded for my squad leading journey adventure yeah um but i don't think 
all squabbly again. No. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, two more questions. Okay. Uh, now that you're back, now that mm-hmm. you're here, what do you see as your mission right now? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question because we're encouraged not to see people and encouraged not to leave our homes or at least that's what it has felt like um i don't know if i have a specific understanding of what my mission is right now um i think something that i've tried to do over the past few months is um educate myself and equip myself to how i'll be useful after all of this so i actually decided to go back to school all right which is not something that i ever thought i would do um but i figured now is kind of a good time i have nothing else really going on and school is all online which i actually really prefer um it's how i learn best um so I signed up to take some classes at Century College, which has been so funny and um, interesting, which, by the way, I have a class today, but we're doing great on time. Um, I just, I was like, oh, I haven't thought about it the whole time I've been talking. I just, I just traveled the entire world, and I'm back to go to community college. Yes. Yeah. And it's definitely, um, there's a lot of humility in being able to humble yourself when you do stuff that you never thought you would do but something that this pandemic situation has brought to my attention is I actually I want to be able to do something that's meaningful no matter what's happening in the world and so going back to school and kind of figuring that out was seemed like a good next step and um yeah yeah that doesn't really answer your question but it's perfect that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> that's that's part of it. Sometimes yeah. we're sometimes we know we feel like this is this is what I'm called to do. Like I'm gonna do yeah. this eleven months, and sometimes it's like I, I I'm I'm right. just walking forward. Yeah, I'm like, in that situation right now. I'm taking it one day, one week at a time. <laughs> that's good. I, I just love how much grace there is in that. That it's like sometimes God has a specific purpose for us, and some yeah. and always our purpose is to be loved by God. Yeah, like that's our mission, Absolutely. and that's what you're being right now. Yeah, As and you, then move forward and whatever yeah and then to use that love that we've received from him to love other people mm-hmm. you know a little love pours out there yeah absolutely yeah. full circle there it is <laughs> that's good all right last question uh the sort of the purpose of the podcast i love how i say sort of the purpose yeah like i don't know what it is We're, i'm figuring it out too but yeah. one of the purposes for sure of this podcast is um and it's the tagline seeing grace in every corner of our community mm. where do you see and this could Kind of take the question however you want it. Where do you see grace in our community? That's a good question. Um, hmm, Where do I see grace in this community? I mean, you could say global community because you've been all around the world. So you can take it however you'd like. Yeah. Um, Well, I'll bring it back to kind of what's happening in life right now. I um, One thing that I've been doing to keep busy and make some money is Instacart shopping and delivering groceries, which has been fun and fulfilling. Um, But I was walking out to my car one time in the parking lot and somebody was, you know, beeping their clicker trying to find their car. And I was like, oh, I just wish I could help them find their car, Um, you know. And I was thinking about all these moments where you see people who have no idea what's happening in their life and... um, And then you see people who you do know and you do know what's happening in their life. And everybody wants a little understanding and a lot of love and a lot of grace, Mm. you know, because we're all walking through things that are hard and messy and difficult. And um, I think the grace that I've received specifically from this community has allowed me to go and share it to the global community and... um, yeah, I think I I mean I've walked 27 years of my life through this church. So I've been here for every high and every low of my life through this church and the thing that keeps me around is the community and the grace that I receive every time I walk through these walls and 
Um, a lot of that is grace from the Father, but the tangible grace that I feel is through the fellow believers that walk this building with me. So, this church is obviously, if you've been around for more than two or three years, you've we've been through a lot of changes recently and changes with staff and um, with COVID and all the things. Um, but there are things that still remain, no matter who's leading us or who's sitting next to us in service and that I think are a lot of um, the foundations of what it means to be a Christian. We don't really waver with the ways of the world. We're very consistent. And I think grace keeps us kind of on that consistent path. Even if we do waver a little bit, we're kind of always right back to where I think God wants us to be. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And thanks for being here. I'm really happy to be here. And we're really happy that you were here too, Ashley. Thanks so much again, Ashley Collins, talking about the world, race, and just what Christian discipleship looks like. So many uh, great nuggets in there. If you want to communicate, contact, talk with Ashley, you can reach her on Instagram at ashes underscore Collins. She's super fun and she would love to hear from you. As always, Grace People Podcast is brought to you by Community of Grace Lutheran Church in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. We are at the corner of Highway 61 and County Road F. In January, we have a series called When Life Gives You Lemons, and it's it's tackling the difficult issues of mental health, of depression, of anxiety, of grief, and loss. And with so much that happened in 2020, uh, this is a very pertinent and poignant and timely series that I think you will want to be a part of. So you can catch it uh, in person or online at gracepeople.live on Sunday mornings, or you can uh, find out more information about the church at gracepeople.church. Maybe you've been to a church, maybe you haven't. Regardless, I'd love to hear from you, I'd love to see you, uh, and uh, just tell you what life with Jesus is like. It's good. It's real good. Well, uh, that wraps it up for us. We are going to have Trisha Kaufman with Solid Ground Minnesota on our next episode. You are not going to want to miss it because they're doing amazing things, and I have a feeling you might even want to be a part of it. All right. Well, until next time, let's continue exploring grace in every corner of our community, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and beyond. I'm Dan Lugo. Cheers. Cheers.